Welcome to the Marketing Executive Spotlight Show. I'm Anitra Kerr, also known as the queen of video marketing at The Draw Shop, where we create videos and messaging for brands that are impossible to ignore. We believe that any business is just one marketing tweak away from getting their ideal customers hooked. Most businesses have a solution to positively impact their customers and ultimately the world. The real question is how to get those people to see that. We've got our own fail-proof formula for this at The Draw Shop, but on this show, we're interviewing marketing geniuses to discover more. Think you have marketing genius to share? Stay tuned to the end of the show and we'll show you how you can be our next guest on the fastest growing marketing inspiration podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Executive Spotlight. I'm your host, Sandy Fowler, and today we are talking with Ellie Goodman. Ellie is the VP of Marketing at MeMD and can be found online at MeMD.me. Ellie, welcome to the podcast. Sandy, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, I am very interested to hear about this. I, with the changes in our world with COVID, I think there are some big changes happening in the medical mm -hmm. space and you guys are going to be tied directly into those. So can you tell us a little bit about MeMD, kind of what the company's doing, how you're helping clients, what kind of problems you help us solve? Absolutely. So MeMD is a telehealth company. Uh, we were founded in 2010, so we're not a new player on the block. I've been with the company just over three years, so about only close to three and a half years or so. And what MeMD does, MeMD is a telehealth company. We provide um, services to patients to connect with providers. Um, originally, that was a consumer market. We went after consumers to have visits. Um, over the years, we've transitioned to a B2B model where we offer MeMD as a benefit to companies, associations, um, and we sell it through resellers and, and white label our product that way as well. And so as a telehealth company, you can imagine that in the last year, we have seen just explosive growth as a whole. It's completely changed. It, it, you know, we keep saying that it has advanced the telehealth space probably 10 years in its recognition in, um, in the country. So people understanding what telehealth is, how to use it, what it means, you know, a lot of the things that people were saying about telehealth previous to COVID, like, I can't imagine seeing my provider through a screen. I got to see them in person. It can't be the same quality of care. You know, once COVID happened and people were forced into um, this, this environment, it really changed everyone's opinion. Like, wow, why am I waiting in a waiting room? Why would I ever do that? Uh, this just doesn't make any sense anymore. And and it really is, became very exciting for MeMD. We, we saw just some record numbers as far as visit volume and interest in the, in the platform and in the service um, right after COVID really hit, let's you know, say April, May, June timeframe. It really just expanded it. And you saw every telehealth company experience the same, um, the, the same experience was, was, was exactly the same. And so what we've done in that is, is we've developed a few products that have really honed in on how we can help people through COVID. So we, invent, we, we came up with a COVID service line that does some testing or uh, where you can do testing or get testing uh, sent to your house. Um, you can also get screened by a provider and some work we do there. 
And then the big play and what we're really moving towards is more of a virtual primary care model. So the idea that you will have a primary care physician that is your quarterback of your medical care that you will see virtually. And what that will mean is that as, a, as an individual, you'll be able to go have this meeting with your provider. And then if you need in-person care, they're going to help you find the right place to go, um, where to go. We also have wellness exams, kind of everything you would experience with a, with a virtual, with, with a primary care visit. And so that's kind of the next big, the next big play in telehealth. But it's been a really, really exciting ride. I think over the last um, year, for sure, it's just been it's been wild the amount of interest and and the conversations that we're having with people and really the everyone gravitating towards this this market. It's just been incredible. You said that you're in you're offering this as a B two B service. How are you helping businesses with your services? So, um, you know, there's, there's a couple of big things that we do with, with, with what a couple of big things that telehealth does with businesses is it, A, it helps them save money. So I think that's the big one. Um, you start looking at a, let's say just a regular organization that has 500 employees, typically, a, a an employer group of 500 employees is a self-funded group, um, meaning that they're going to, um, pay out all the claims and all the medical expenses out of the bucket of money that they're collecting every month. And so what me and D does is we're, when we come in, it kind of changes that to say, okay, let's put a virtual first model in place, meaning that let's let's keep people out of the urgent care, which is a really expensive endeavor for the company. Let's keep them out of the emergency room and let's get them to, to go talk to somebody first virtually. Now, that's not to say that, you know, obviously you break your arm, you have to go to the emergency room. We, we get that. But what we've seen is that there's a lot of people who um, don't really understand the healthcare system as a whole. And their only path to care is either their primary care, which we all know is very difficult to get into, or urgent care. And so you're seeing people who are going to urgent care for things that there's no need to be in urgent care setting for. They can do it all virtually. In fact, over 90% of our visits are handled virtually. Very rarely are we sending these visits to in-person care. And so what we're doing is we're, we're helping with, with cost containment. That's kind of the biggest one. On top of that, you're really looking at ways to that, that we're able to help them support their employees. So building a better benefits package for them by offering a service like this, providing convenience and accessibility to healthcare that might not have been available. Because we're not an insurance product, we don't have to follow the same rules as insurance products have to follow. So we're able to offer our services to part-time employees or gig economy type employees, ones who typically couldn't get healthcare to begin with, we can now give them this option, which will uh, allow them that first line of defense in their healthcare um, endeavors through, um, you know, through everything that they're doing. So that's really where we're where we're really helping employers um, beef up their benefits package and really offer something that's of value. You mentioned keeping people out of urgent care and broken bones. We actually had an experience like that when my daughter was in college. Of course, it's way late at night, and she calls home saying she thinks she broke her foot or she hurt her foot. And we didn't know what was going on. We were able to get on a virtual call with the doctor and talk it through. And it turns out she did break a bone. However, in that moment, it wasn't something she had to run off to the emergency room for. She was able to wait till the next day and go to urgent care, which was a whole lot less than the emergency room. And in the meantime, she did what she needed to do and took care of it. So that really is a huge benefit. 
It, it is. And I think that example is good because typically we use the broken bone example of a reason not to use virtual care. But in that scenario, sometimes having somebody available quickly to have that conversation with and do some maybe diagnostic type stuff to understand whether it really is broken or maybe it is just a strain um, or it, recommending that you go to an urgent care. Those types of things, especially for a college student, is, is, could, is so valuable because they just don't understand it. They don't, they don't get, the system is complicated enough for, for an adult. You add that to a college student, now you're, you're dealing with some complexity they just, they just don't understand. So give them an avenue, give them a first line of defense, give them someone to talk to, and then let them help you figure out where to go next and figure out what's, what's gonna happen. Yeah, so as you're doing this work, talk to us about the impact that you have today in your business. The impact as in the impact to the, to the community as a whole? Is that is that what, the question? Well, tell yes. Tell us the impact that you see uh, MeMD having on other businesses. Yeah, so I I think MeMD as a whole, and, and really telehealth as a whole, but I'll, I'll certainly focus on MeMD. I think we're it's it's just a huge impact that we're having on organizations. I think we're seeing it especially over the last year. You know, we've been talking prior to to COVID. It was it was hard to get people to realize the importance of virtual care understanding how it could be used and understanding where you could position it within a company, all of those types of things. Very difficult to understand for people. But once COVID happened, that changed. So now the conversation as a whole has changed a little bit. And so, you know, really the impact we're having is we're saving companies, you know, thousands of dollars a year in medical expenses that they're no longer incurring because their people are going to see uh, a virtual care first model. And so a good example is we have a, we have a client of ours here. It's a, it's a local client, um, fairly large self-funded group. And they have positioned MeMD in everything they do from a uh, employee calls in sick. The managers are trained to tell them, hey, why don't you go um, have a virtual visit? Let's, let's get you back to work as quickly as possible. Let's make sure that you're, you know, some of them are hourly employees. Let's make sure you're not missing work because if you miss work, you're not getting paid. Right? These types of things is, these are all the ways that that virtual care really impacts an organization. You know, we talk a lot about absentee costs. So, you know, some studies will show you that the, the trip to a doctor alone is a four-hour um, experience between driving there, waiting, getting care, and picking up a prescription possibly, and then driving home, right? That whole thing could take up to four hours. Well, if I'm at work and I just up and leave for four hours. Well, what's not happening in those four hours that I'm, I'm not at work. So those are some of the costs that, you know, we talk a lot about cost containment, the hard cost of medical, of getting medical care. There's also the soft cost that, that, that works within, with employer groups to say, you know, well, what happens when someone's, when someone misses work, who has to do the work in their place or what work doesn't get done. And so I think when we really start talking about the impact and what that all means, that, that all plays a role in how we're affecting organizations um, and helping them stay a healthier, but save money. All right. So now let's looking look at you personally, Ellie. What do you consider to be in business your area of expertise? The thing you know inside out, upside down, backwards and forwards. This this is you. People should come to you when they're working on this. So uh, that's a great that's a great question because I think that you know my experience as a whole is I have been in marketing my most of my career, almost my entire career. I spent two years in sales, realized really quickly that sales wasn't my thing, but I really enjoyed being part of the creative process in making things a reality. 
So I really enjoy taking complex ideas and then turning them into something that people can understand. And I knew at that point that I was probably better suited for marketing at that point because I was going to help the sales team take the complexities of what we were selling and put them into a way that we could deliver it to a client that would make perfect sense and would do it in a really concise way. And so I think when I look at where my level of expertise is, I've been in marketing a long time, so I've seen it all. I've seen from really the, the launch of, of digital, right? So when I first started, it was print advertising, it was billboards, it was that type of work that we were doing a lot of. And over time, it's slowly transitioned to be a, a mix of both of those things where you now have a larger digital presence. And what are you doing there? And then what are you also doing in the, in the print and, and those types of things? Because that didn't go away. It just became a part of the overall marketing mix. So I think when I look at the things that I'm able to bring to an organization and the things that I'm doing for people look to me to do is sitting in a room and saying, how do we take this idea and put it into a way that people can understand it? And I think that's, that's really where I, I, I excel. So what would you say is the biggest mistake? If someone's listening, they're in marketing, they're in marketing and they want to up their game a little bit. What do you think the biggest mistake is or the most common mistake that marketers make? You know, I think there, well, there's a, there's a few of them. I, I would say one of them that I, that jumps out me, jumps out to me right away is, um, you know, marketers who are on the ground level of the organization. So they're actually the ones creating things. Um, they're either creating the content, they're either creating the graphics, um, those types of things. And uh, one of the things I see a lot of is them getting too attached to their work um, and really falling in love with their ideas and not having it put in front of the organization um, soon enough to make sure that it's on the right track or it's what the organization wanted to create and then and then being hurt by by the feedback that they're receiving. And so what I talk to my team a lot about is, you know, we have to deliver to the organization what they're asking for. We have to be able to enjoy what we're doing and put our own spin into it. But we can't get to a place where we fall in love with it. And then we sit in a meeting and we, we share it with the executive team and the executive team bangs it up. And then all of a sudden we're upset about that. And so I think it's, it's really to me because, and it's even more so, so that used to be bad. It's even more now because things are moving so fast. And so if you spend too much time working on something and deliver to the organization and it's wrong, not only are you feel bad because you spent the time working on it, but now you're late because you spent so much time working on that first piece. So you know, I think for me, one of the biggest mistakes is you know, really quick and dirty, get some things out, let's get some ideas, let's concept, let's let's meet, let's talk, let's really start figuring out that what we're delivering to the organization is what the organization needs um, before we deliver a final product. And and that's one of the things that I see a lot of, which is, you know, it's it's almost hard. You have to, over time, thicken up your skin a little bit to, to realize that, you know, this isn't your passion project. This is a larger project that is has to work within the confines of the organization that you work with. And every organization is different on how they feel about um, the, the content or the graphics or the handouts and the, the things that you're creating for the organization. Everyone feels a little differently about um, when and how they deliver it. But I think understanding that is really important for marketers. So the flip side of that that I'm hearing is if you're a manager, if you're if you're the VP of marketing, you want to have opportunity and space for a lot of quick feedback, not hour-long meetings, but quick check-ins so that your team can come to you and say, hey, this is yes. what we're thinking. 
Yeah. And, you know, we, we, and I, I personally, I, I'm, uh, I believe in that a lot. I think quick feedback, uh, quick conversations, you know, we use Slack like crazy, our marketing team does. So we're always paying ideas off each other. Hey, let's jump on a quick call. Let's go through this. Hey, I want to show you something. This is where I'm at on this. I think that type of collaboration is so important within the department. And then really, I think at the same time, having somebody in the, in the organization, in the position who's sitting in the executive room, in this case, it's myself, that can take the information that the organization is giving and properly distill it down to my team so that they're not wasting their time in the things that they're creating. So that's an important thing to do as well, because they're not in there. They're not hearing it firsthand. And sometimes what's being explained in that executive room, they're not even really sure what they're looking for. They have some ideas and it's your job to take that and really take the feedback from operations and take the feedback from sales and take the feedback from IT and kind of find a way to put it all together to then deliver something back to the company and say, is this, where, is this what we're looking for? Is this where we're at? And really kind of pushing that. You know, we've been, I've been talking a lot about internally about taking marketing out of the backseat of the car. And, and this has probably changed over time. You take that out of the backseat of the car and put it into the passenger seat. Well, now it's about, well, let's not even stop there. Why isn't marketing in the driver's seat anymore and driving this effort and really understanding what the market looks like and what the market needs, what the organization needs and really honing in on that space. And that's really what we're working on at BNB. And what I'm working on personally is really trying to take ownership over all of that. And you talked about, there were the changes that have happened in telehealth with COVID or the changes in acceptance. How has that impacted your marketing efforts? Did you have a lot to go back and rework when we had COVID hit? So, you know, so for us, it was, we finally get to use all the stuff we created because we've been saying the same stuff. This is nothing new that what we've been saying, the convenience factor of telehealth has always been there. Um, the cost savings parts of telehealth has always been there. The, the reluctancy of individuals to use it, that's where, that's where it's changed. So I think really what we've done is, is not necessarily rework it. We've just expanded our reach. We've gone out and said, well, we just need to get this in front of more people because the eyeballs are on telehealth as a whole. And we've seen that specifically of, you know, going to groups and, and brokers that we maybe have tried to talk to before who weren't really interested in trying to disrupt what they're currently doing are now open to our conversations and willing to have those conversations with us um, because of be, because of what's happened. And so we haven't necessarily had to go necessarily rework. We've had to create more. We've had to go and start to put more together and try to tell the story a, another way, but not really necessarily go back and, and kind of fix things because we were always saying that telehealth was more convenient than going to urgent care. Now everyone just believes us. <laughs> so as life moves forward, hopefully we start heading back toward a more social world. What do you see happening at MeMD? Where do you see the business going in the next few years? So I think, you know, for the next, so, so really our plan in 2021 is to really beef up our existing product offerings. Um, in 2020 and, and late 2019, we expanded product offering, uh, offers. Uh, we almost doubled our product offers. We, we have now um, back in 2018, we launched behavioral health. So we have adult talk therapy, we have teen therapy, we have psychiatry. Um, so we added a whole line of business that was uh, mental health that really kind of encompassed this idea that we were going to take care of the whole person, that it wasn't just a physical thing, it was a mental thing. And how can we offer what we do in, in that space as well? And so 2021 is really about beefing up those services and really 
finding the nuances within it that can help grow it as, a, as an overall service. So that's really where 2021 is going. And I think with virtual primary care, which I mentioned earlier, which is our newest product, which launched on one one of this year, um, is really starting to bring the primary care model virtually and then adding on things like urgent care and adding on things like behavioral health. So now you're building a very robust virtual first option for for companies that, that, that are looking to beef up what they're doing. And so I see um, I see that in by this year you're going to be looking at um, you know by the end of this year you'll be looking we probably won't be looking at new products we'll probably have a pretty robust offering at that point but really what you're going to see is from a government perspective I think a lot of the laws are going to stay pretty close to where they are now which were all loosened during COVID I don't think you'll see a lot of those go back although some might slip back just a little bit as far as first point of care and some of those types of things. But overall, I think you've you've kind of opened up this gate, which I'm not sure you can close back behind you, of what virtual care has become um, in the, for the healthcare system today. All right, Ellie, when you are not pouring your creativity into marketing for MeMD or any place else, what do you like to do personally? Just how do you enjoy spending your time? So I'm a family man. So I really enjoy spending time with my family. I have two daughters. I have a 10 year old, well, almost 10, she'll be 10 next week and an, and an eight year old. Um, and so I really enjoy spending time with them. And my, my wife is a nurse. So um, she is, she works long hours. Um, so I get a lot of time with them um, when she's at work. And so I really enjoy spending time with my family. Um, I, you know, I, I said before I'm in Arizona, so I love being outside. You know, we spend a lot of time outside, um, you know, summer type sports and those types of things. Um, I recently got a bike, so I have been biking a lot, um, which has been really fun. I have a buddy who, and who I go out with every week and we're, we're putting on a fair amount of miles on this bike I bought. So I'm really enjoying that. And, you know, overall, I like, you know, I like doing things that were happening before COVID, which was seeing friends and hanging out and, um, you know, really kind of enjoying some downtime. I think, you know, with the industry and the way that it is and how busy it can be at times, um, sometimes it's just nice to put my phone down and, and just kind of unplug and, and just hang out and, and really do not much. That, that's, that, that's been a lot of what's happened in 2020, but that's where I spent a lot of my time. Sounds good to me. And I appreciate you taking time out of that busy schedule to join us here today. You really gave us some, some interesting ideas to think about and some, some good advice in marketing. For anyone who wants to find you online, where would they be able to find you? So anybody who's looking to learn a little bit more about MeMD, um, I welcome to uh, go to MeMD.me, uh, take a look at our website, see what we're up to. Um, anybody interested in learning more um, and want to talk to me directly, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, it's uh, Ellie Goodman, E-L-I-E Goodman. Um, you can find me. It's pretty easy. There's not a whole lot of us, so it's a it's an easier name. <laughs> it's an easier name to go find. Um, and I'm happy to have any conversation about marketing, future marketing. Um, you know, anything like that. It's, it's always fun conversation for me to talk about. Great. Well, thank you again for your time and your insights. I, I appreciate all of that. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Anitra here, and thank you so much for listening to the Marketing Executive Spotlight Show. If you are a successful marketing executive who would like to be on this program, 
visit us at www.thedrawshop.com forward slash podcast forward slash apply. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on your social channels. And if you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Marketing Executive Spotlight. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more about us? Go to our website, www.thedrawshop.com or follow us on all social channels at The Draw Shop. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.